Hello and welcome to the European Hoops podcast. We are a Sportitas presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. Twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday, we recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague. My name is Andre and these are my co-hosts, Tiago Cordero and Diogo Valente. How are you guys doing? I'm fine, Andre. Let's talk the thing that we like the most. How are you doing, Diogo? Hi, guys. I'm fine. Let's get to another episode. Let's talk about basketball. Besides all the high-level games that uh, we are about to recap, we had many news regarding the, the competition, including some news that just broke before we start recording with Balmaro joining Barcelona, or potentially joining Barcelona. Christos Serelis is the new coach of Paratinaikos for the rest of the season, and there are several rumors connecting several coaches to to Paratinaikos for the next season, and the leading one is Pablo Lasso. We will hit those news when it when the time comes. We saw the need for better relationships between Euroleague and FIBA being underlined this week with several players like Goodrich, Tokon Shingelia, Sasha Vzenkov and Walter Tavares having to do an extra effort to play both for their teams and for their national teams in a short period of time. On the injury front, Rubit was ruled out for the season. Lutzist might have returned a bit too early to play for the German Cup for uh, Bayern and might miss some additional time because of that. Tantome, after a few minutes of play, got an ankle injury and it's a risk of, mis- of missing some time. We also saw Yabosel leaving earlier for uh, Real Madrid. On the bright side, we also saw important returns like Dublovic, Lorenzo Brown and several Bayern players and also Asan Martin after two and a half months returned to the competition. It was a special night for Habas and Virtus where not only the player was back playing in EuroLeague but he was also a big piece in this victory for the team. But we will cover everything that happened later in this episode. For Efes, according to the coach Ataman, Misic season is at risk. And it's another issue for already the several issues that the team is presenting on the on the court. Another relevant piece of news was that Tyler Doss would become a free agent player after parting ways with the Texas legends of the G League. He's re- looking for a, re- a return to Europe. This is one of the big names that can have a real impact in the outcome of this season of the EuroLeague. Olympiacos will be a perfect match. Efes with Misic News are certainly a team in contention. And Fenerbahce has also been reported to be interested in the player. What impact do you guys think that Dorsey can have in any of these teams or in any other team that you would like to see him playing for? Yeah, in my opinion, I think Tyler would obviously be a, a great add for any EuroLeague team because he's a great player. I think Olympiacos is the, the perfect fit. Not only because he played there and he knows the rest of the guys and the coach, but I think he is exactly what they're missing. I think they need a go-to score, and I, I just think he would be perfect for them. Uh, for Efish, I also think he would be very good, especially with Misic being out, because the ball doesn't stuck doesn't stick with him as much. So I think it could be a, a good fit there, and he could help them a lot solving some of their offensive issues. And for Fenerbahce as well, he can be a, a great add. But I think. Uh, between Olympiakos and Efes, uh, I think it makes more sense for those two teams. Tiago, what do you think? I agree 100% with you, Diogo. Uh, I would love to see him playing in Olympiakos because they're needing their go-to guy, you know, and uh, Tyler Dorsey might be, that one, might be the missing piece. Yeah, we we recently had the, our podcast where we discussed the poll rankings. Do you, really, do you think that this will be the piece that will uh, 
put them as a clear first. I know that you had them as a first. I, I didn't, but uh, this will be a piece that will put them above or at least at the very top of that group in a very clear way. Don't you think that? They would be on the different uh, tier, for, in my opinion. They would be uh, even higher. And how do you see him fitting on the on the other teams? On the other teams, on FS, uh, uh I don't like the fit because they already have guys who control the, the ball that much of time. And on the Fenerbahce side, they already have a guy like Wilbekin and Nick Calares who control the, the ball too. So in my opinion, he would fit way better on Olympiacos. I tend to agree with you guys and he will be a great fit for Olympiacos. What's reported is that Olympiacos is interested in a multi-year deal, already planning for the future, but the player seems to be seeking a career in the NBA or another chance in the NBA and um, seems to be interested in a deal that will... Uh, that will culminate in the end of this season. For FS, I, I agree with you, Tiago, about um, being somewhat redundant, although adding talent is always a positive thing. But um, if it's uh, as a replacement for Misic, if this uh, news or if this potential news of him being out for the season are confirmed, then I see they needing a player like him to, to add to what they already have. The other big news was Bolmaru joining Barcelona, or at least it was rum- rumored to, to be the case. Uh, how do you guys see like Bolmaru joining Barcelona and what impact can he have on this, uh, on this team and on Barcelona this season? I think it's a, it's a good fit for him because, uh, like I said about Tal Dorsey and Olympiacos, he, he already played there. Uh, he's familiar with the, the players and the coach. And I think he could be a, a better backup point guard option for them uh, than Rockus. Uh, and in terms of size, he's similar to Sadoransky. Uh, if, if maybe he can learn from Sato, and I think he can become a, a very good backup option for them. So I think it's a good fit. What about you, Tiago? If it's confirmed, uh, I don't, I don't like this this signing because uh, Jokobait is, is playing a real good basketball and I would love to see Bolmaru playing in different teams as we previously talked on uh, on the previous episode that we had. Jokobait is, is starting to, to play at a, a very high level. I I understand that maybe the his ceiling as a player is might not be the, the highest. He might not become a superstar, but uh, on his role and as a backup point guard, he's playing at a very, very, very high level. Of course, like uh, I think Diogo's point is perfect. Like having Bolmaro to to play alongside Satoransky and learn from him for Bolmaro in the long run, and this was reported to be a multi-year deal. Uh, I can understand why Barcelona will do it and uh, how it can uh, can work both for the team and for the future of the player. But let's start uh, hitting the games and we will start uh, recapping the game that happened in Tel Aviv where Maccabi received and beat at Bayern 90-82. This was a very important win for Maccabi, hanging on to the 8th spot with a 13-12 record. There are five teams that are tied with a 13-12 record and they are all tied for 6th place. Maccabi on the the tie breaks, they end up in eighth place at this moment. And with this win, they managed to continue to fight for, for the playoffs. The MVP of the game was Lorenzo Brown with 27 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists and 2 steals. Wade Baldwin, the fourth, also performed at a high level with 15 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists and impressive 3 block shots. 
while Corey Walden was the best for Bayern with 19 points, three rebounds and four assists. Maccabi playing at home, they were favorites for this game. And despite the eight-point win, this wasn't an, an easy one for them by any stretch of the imagination. After Bayern dominated the, the second and third quarters and they built an 11-point advantage heading into the fourth quarter, until uh, that point, the Bayern discipline versus the Maccabi lack of discipline were determinant factors in this game. Maccabi was able to survive 19 offensive rebounds from Bayern. And with a 29-point fourth quarter behind their leader, Lorenzo Brown, they got this important win for, for their playoff aspirations. Yeah, <laughs> how big was Lorenzo Brown's return for, for Maccabi? As you already said on messages, the biggest. Because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> He brings uh, the best out of his guys. Baldwin play with, uh, way better with him on the court uh, and without their, uh, without effort. You see, because um, Baldwin had a, a really good game and a, a really good uh, field goal percentage uh, because of Lorenzo Brown facilitating for, for him. Even Sorkin uh, played better with Lorenzo Brown. So it's, it's really good to see him on the court and uh, Maccabi is a different beast with him. How good can Wade Baldwin be when the, when he's alongside another playmaker? And uh, right after this game, there are several reports that Maccabi, like they did with Sorkin and with Lorenzo Brown, they are looking to extend him also for a long period of time and keep building around this court. Diogo, what did you saw in this game and how how big was Lorenzo Brown and how good it is that he's back? Yeah, it's great for them that he is back. Uh, I love watching him and Wade Baldwin share the playmaking duties, I think. They are two of the elite guards in EuroLeague. Um, obviously, his impact was amazing, scoring 27 with six assists. He makes everybody better. And having another guard to help him, uh, Wade Baldwin was flirting with a triple-double with 15-8-8. So, yeah, I, I think it was a good game. Uh, Matapi started off a bit slow, and uh, the three-point shooting kind of made a big difference in the first half. But then in the second half, Lorenzo Brown reminded everybody of who he is, and he, he took over the game, and... And he got the win for them. It's a very important win for Maccabi as they stay in a playoff position. So, yeah, very good game from them. Another thing that I, I like to watch in this game, it's it's how, how nice it is to see Trinchieri to have some some toys to play with. Like Bayern had several players back, Antero Hunter, Paul Zipser was also back, Hobbs was also back. They they really managed to find ways to control the pace of the game. And they're very feisty, they are very combative, they, they make the game very physical. And when they have options, they, they manage to compete. Of course, Maccabi is a superior team, in my opinion, and they manage to, to take over the game in the fourth quarter and get the win. But uh, it's Bayern is a team that really gives me some pleasure to watch. And uh, either in Bayern or there are some rumors that Trincieri might be leaving the team in the end of the season, it will be interesting to see where he ends up because he's a great coach and... It's always a pleasure to, to watch his teams playing. 100%. The, the next game was between Milano and Paratinaikos. The, the home team won 78-76. Tiago, uh, I, I guess this, uh, this settles it and Milano gets the, the top spot on our, on our four rankings, don't you think? I already agree with that. I already <laughs> I called that. So, yeah. yeah. This was a, an excellent game and win for Milano in a matchup between two teams to keep an eye on the rest of the season. The MVP of the game was Brandon Davis with 16 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists and 1 block. Nicolo Melli had an excellent game with 14 points and 7 
rebounds. And for Paratinaikos, the best player was Derek Williams with 21 points, two rebounds, two assists and one steal. This was a character win for Milano. They they had a good defensive performance and uh, Brandon Davis, the, the MVP of the game, was able to dominate in the inside. During the game, we saw Milano many times building seven to eight point leads, but Paratinaikos kept find, finding ways to, to fight and get back into the game. In the first half, especially in the second the second part, Messina was able to, to make defensive adjustments, but Derek Williams was giving a lot of uh, trouble to, to Milano's forwards and he ended the, the first half with 17 points in 16 minutes. Paratinaikos was able to to run at times some interesting lineups that I think we, we should keep an eye on for the rest of the season with Bacon, Matt Thomas and Derek Williams all playing together. These lineups were able to provide them size and athleticism and also spacing that uh, they, they have been needing at some points this season. Uh, in the end, Mali had two clutch free throws followed by a great defensive play of Tunut on uh, Bacon. Tunut also had a, a very good game that uh, sealed the deal for Milano. Yeah, we have on our answer. Our power rankings are settled. What did you saw in this game and uh, what did you saw in this highly competitive game between these two teams? As I previously called it on the previous episode, uh, I, th- I thought that the key for this game was Milano's bigs and Brandon Davis was uh, was unstoppable on this on this game. Derek Williams was shooting the lights out too, but it wasn't enough and he got exposed on the defensive side because uh, Panathinaikos needs size on the forward position. So yeah, uh, in my opinion, that this was the key for the game because Brandon Davis had a really good one. Yeah, I think this was a very competitive game. Uh, ultimately, the, the offensive rebounding battle. Uh, Milano just had 14 re- offensive rebounds. Uh, against six from Panathinaikos, so I think that was a big difference maker. Uh, in our preview, uh, I predicted a, a very good guard matchup between Napier and Paris Lee, and I think that matchup did not disappoint. I think they, they both had very good games. Napier with 16 points and five assists, and Paris Lee with 13 points and six assists. But, I mean, it was just a, a very close game throughout. There was never a double-digit lead. Uh, Brandon Davis played a very good game, like you guys said already. And then, other than Papa Giannis, I think Panathinaikos was just a, a small team against Milano's bigs, and I think that was the biggest difference maker in this game. Derek Williams played very good, played a very good game, uh, scoring wise, but they did, they just didn't have enough. They were missing good Aitis, and uh, they really are lacking some some size on that front court. Besides Papa Giannis, in the the next game, Real Madrid had a dominant win over Zalgiris, 96-69. For Real Madrid, this was a chance to to stay on the top of the standings, while Zalgiris dropped to 10th place, uh, where they are part of that five-team tie that we mentioned previously. The MVP of the game was Zanan Musa with 17 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal and 1 block. Poirier had 11 points, 8 rebounds and 2 blocks. And Brasdaikis had 16 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists and 1 steal. Zalgiris was able to compete early on in the first quarter, uh, where they were winning 24-22 in the end of the first. But Real Madrid took over the game in the second quarter and stepping up their defense, allowing only 28 points in the second and third quarters. Tiago, what are your takes on this dominant performance by, by Real Madrid? It's really tough to see uh, Zalgiris, uh, the way they're, they're playing right now. Because uh, they were a, a not team in the Euroleague, now they're kind of slowing down. Uh, Real Madrid played really good. Walter Tavares had a really good game, uh, 16 points. He was the key, in my opinion, because if they could take him off the court, uh, Zalgiris might have a chance. Uh, and the wings, 
from Real Madrid had a really good night too because they defended Lugonovas. Lugonovas uh, only scored three points. And if he, if the Zagir's best player, one of Zagir's best players only scores three points, uh, it's really tough to win. Yeah, uh, on this game, uh, I predicted a comfortable win for Real Madrid, but I didn't expect a, a 27-point win. Uh, they, they played very good and they showed that they were the superior team. Uh, I think Musa play, uh, was very good uh, and he dominated the matchup against Lanovas. And Brezdekis played a good game, but Musa was able to come out on top between the wings. Uh, after the first quarter, it was just pure domination by Real Madrid. I mean, th- th- there's really not much to say about this game. Everybody contributed for Real Madrid and they, they just dominated. Yeah, I think one of one of the notes that we can have from this game is like Real Madrid was able to to take a lot of the driving game away from uh, from Zalgiris, and uh, right now they struggle a lot to find other options. If if they cannot drive, if they cannot find any actions like that, they they really don't have a lot to, a lot of answers. And Real Madrid really was able to step up in the second quarter defensively, and uh, they just took the game away, and there was no no looking back for them. The next game was one of the games that we were expecting the match the the most, and Partizan received Fenerbahce and lost ninety four ninety seven. This was an extremely important game for both teams, and Fenerbahce came out of it with a key three point win. This win gets them in fourth place in the standings with a record of fifteen and nine. Securing home court advantage will be crucial for for these playoffs in the early, and uh, this was a big step for Fenerbahce to do it, especially as we will. Recap later with Monaco losing. Partizan holding on to the sixth place, where they lead that uh, five-team tie with Basconia, Maccabi, Valencia and Zalgiris. The MVP of the game was Marco Guduric, with 25 points, two rebounds, seven assists and two steals. Pierre, with 21 points, six rebounds and three assists, was very important for Fenerbahce. While Panther was the best for, for the home team with 25 points, one rebound and two assists. This was a game of rounds for, for both teams since early in the game. Partizan started the game with a 9-3 lead. Fenerbahce came back and built a 11-point lead. Partizan was able to answer and, and uh, the game went to, into halftime 46-47. Fenerbahce had an impressive 59% field goal percentage in this game and shot 14 from 26 from the three-point line to secure the this win in the end. It was a massive run win for Fenerbahce. What impact do, do you think that this game have for, for both teams, Tiago? For Fenerbahce, it was a really good one because this was a, a key game for them. And it was a, a direct opponent because Partizan was on a fight too. And, and Fenerbahce secured... The, the fourth spot and it's really good for them because they weren't on a on a good momentum and now they they could building they could build up uh, after this win about partisan I still expect them to to make the playoffs this was a really good was a really tough loss for them but I expect them to be on the playoff uh, Fenerbahce offense punished a lot of the show screens and the double teams after a screen uh, that Lazard was doing with the short roll by Motley and after that. They were he was killing it in the mid range and then kicking off for for their guys. Then Partizan on the on the last part of the game they adjusted with uh, the help coming from the corner and they Fenerbahce with Nicolaides and Wilbekin passing to the corner and uh, Fenerbahce was scoring uh, a lot of three points in the corner. So it was a really good game. It was a really uh, it was really good to see the adjustments 
by by the coaches. The thing that this game uh, did as well, besides the high level basketball and that we were able to enjoy, it created a, a gap between the the top five teams and the other teams fighting into the playoffs. The the cementing Monaco, Fenerbahce, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Olympiacos as the the top five contenders for this edition of the Euroleague. Diogo, what are your takes on on this one on this game? Yeah, for me, this was the the game of the week in the in this round 25 of Euroleague. Uh, I think Fenerbahce needed this win because they were going through some tough times, and this is a great way to do it. Because, and my biggest takeaway from this game is that they shot the ball very well, especially due to their ball movement because they had 21 assists, and I think that contributed a lot to the, to those 14 threes made and shooting over 50% from three. So I think that was a big the big reason for for this win. Uh, Partizan's big three of uh, Panther, Exum, and Lasort, they showed up and they played a very good game. But Fenerbahce put up a total team effort and they were led by Goodrich, who was amazing. And this is a great win for Fenerbahce. For Partizan, though, I think this could be very dangerous because with with the, the playoff race that's going on between about six or seven teams, I think this loss could cost them because it was at home and other teams are coming, like Efes, they got. A, they're trying to stay on the right path now. Valencia, Maccabi, Basconia. It's it's going to be very tough. I think they are capable of making the playoffs, but it's going to be tough. I think they needed this one. We will speak about that uh, that playoff race later. And Virtus has something to say, and they want to make it a seven team race. But let's move on from uh, the best game of the week to the biggest surprise of the week, where um, Red Star received and lost to Alba 72-87. Red Star truly blew this one up. They sit now in 13, two wins below the, the playoffs, and they are needing to leapfrog five teams to be able to, to make it to the playoffs, making their life very hard. The MVP of the of this game was was low with 24 points, two rebounds, three assists and three steals. He also showed something that we have been pointing out of his impact on the Alba ability to, to play, especially offensively. Olinda with uh, 13 points, seven rebounds and one assist was the, the second best player for Alba, while uh, Luka Mitrovic was the, the best player for Red Star with uh, eight points, three rebounds and two assists. This uh, very modest stat, stat line, it's uh, a mirror of uh, the way that Red Star performed on this game. The game started with a 25-15 first quarter in favor of Red Star, but Alba took over the game and in the last 30 minutes of the game they scored 72 points and allowed only 47. Red Star wasn't able to perform on defense and they really struggled from the three-point line, shooting only 5 from 28. It was an impressive road win for Alba. It must have been an extremely exciting game for you, Tiago, with Petrashev having one of the best poster dunks of the season, Sigmund proceeded playing at a very good level and being part of this big win for uh, for Alba. It was a really good go- game. And can we talk about Sigma assists? Behind the back, nutmeg. This guy is a lead playmaker. Uh, it is, it's, like you said, it's good to see Petrashev being physical and being intense. Uh, he, he's proving that he's one of the best uh, four, uh, one of the best power forwards in the in the league. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see his career. About the Red Star, it's, it's like we we've been talking about their lacking defense and offensive solutions. Uh, I'm expecting to to them to improve with uh, Campazzo being uh, on the court now. 
after the after this round, but I don't see them making the playoffs or or even in the fight. Diogo, what's your takes about this game and about uh, Cervantes Vesda uh, chances to the playoffs? But yeah, uh, I think about this game. I think we all predicted a Red Star win, uh, and they started the game very slow. But then when uh, when Nedovic and Petrosev came off the bench, uh, they started to push the pace, and they immediately got a double digit lead. And I thought it was going to stay that way the rest of the game. But, but then the second half was totally different. Uh, Maldolo played a very good second half, and his ability to score was, was unmatched by Red Star's players. So, yeah. The, and then in the fourth quarter, Red Star had no answers for Alba, but they got blown out 11 to 27. And at home, in a, such an important game like this one, they just couldn't allow that to happen. And I think this loss uh, ju- just cost Red Star a, a place in the playoffs. Because I think they really needed to win this one. And now with only 11 wins and 14 losses, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to, to turn this around, even when Campazzo gets back. So, yeah, this is a very bad loss for them. Yeah, they, they really blew the chances on this one. Because, of course, it's not one loss that will, that will cost them the, the playoffs. But they will need to be almost perfect to get there. And I don't think they are they are not one of the elite teams of the League to be able to do it and to, to still find their way into the playoffs, especially when there are so many teams fighting to to be there. The next game was almost a surprise. Uh, we started um, the Asvel against Cyphers game with the news of Misic potentially missing the the season. Asvel lost 89-90. Uh, this was a very competitive basketball game where Efes conquered a very crucial road win for their playoff aspirations. The MVP of the game and the hero of the game in the end was Will Clyburn with 20 points, 1 rebound, 3 assists and 2 steals. Elijah Bryan had 14 points, 10 rebounds and 2 assists, while Nando Ducolo was the best one for the, the home team with 20 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists and 2 steals. Efes went into the fourth quarter with an 11-point lead after dominating the, the third quarter, winning that quarter 27-12. Asvel scored 28 points in the fourth quarter and was able to fight their way back into the game. Elijah Bryant tied the game at 86 with a three-pointer that was promptly answered by Debost, giving Asvel the 86-89 lead. Clyburn went 4-4 from the free-throw line to close the game and had a clutch steal that generated a lot of process from Asphalt's side to seal this important win for FS. After the game, we heard Clyburn praise, praising uh, Ataman about uh, the job that the coach did during the this break and also the, the forced uh, game that the ter- Turkish team had to miss, uh, keeping everyone in a good physical and mental shape. It's always good to hear when players are recognizing the, the coach's job. And this victory was a, a must, must win for, for Efes that uh, they are now in 11th place trailing, one game behind the 8th place. If the, the worst case is confirmed and Misic does miss the rest of the season, what impact do you think it might have for Efes, Tiago? With Misic being out, uh, in my opinion, I, I see guys stepping up. Uh, Elijah Bryant, uh, Bilbois, Shane Larkin uh, had a really good game too with 16 assists. So with with him out, I see their offense being to, I see them in the offense sharing uh, the ball, 
more than uh, they're used to. I think it's not a message problem. I think uh, they will miss him a lot because he's a high-level player and one of the best players in the league. I think it's uh, an FS problem. I think it's about uh, their team dynamics and the ball sharing don't come only from Misic. I know that we just recently saw them having a game where Misic was in the bench and their offense was flowing a bit better. But I think that they, they really will uh, will miss him. And before we hit the recap of this game, Diogo, I would like to hear your thoughts on, on Misic missing the rest of the season impact on uh, FS. Well, I do understand uh, Thiago's point about uh, the offense without him. Uh, I just think that without him, their ceiling lowers a lot because uh, they're still a very talented team, obviously, with two elite players and Shane Larkin and Will Clyburn. But I think Misic puts them on another level, though. Um, and I, I agree with you, Andre. The, the offense, I think it's a it's a team problem, and it's not just about message. So yeah, I agree with you. I think they will miss him a lot, obviously. But regardless, like it's mostly about the the ceiling of the team. Like with him, they are they have a championship ceiling. Without him and struggling to make it to the playoffs, I don't think they are anymore at that level. But uh, let's let's recap this game. And Tiag, what are your thoughts about the, this game? The game was close. Uh, it was really close for the entire game. In the third quarter, uh, F is took out with 27-12. Uh, so at the end, uh, in my in my opinion, uh, F is doesn't know how to close the games. And he, 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 with Misic on the court, I think that would be they will be better uh, closing the games. Yeah, and uh, the thing that was that was so good to watch it was like how good is Asphalt backcourt uh, with Divost and another the color isn't it Yo? yeah they are great <laughs> it's so fun to watch those two playing together for me uh, without message um, I think uh, Will Clyburn and Shane Larkin had to step up and they ultimately did and they got the win uh, this was a very close game the, the entire time uh, Asphalt tried to put up a fight as much as they could and earlier in the game they were early to force a lot of turnovers for Edfish and then, like we've been saying, I think we think uh, FS should shoot more threes and play faster. And they made 11 threes uh, this game, and they, they shot over 50% from three. They took more outside shots, and I think that was a, a big difference maker for them. And I think that helped them get the win. The next game was a game between Virtus and Basconia, where the, the home team wanted to claim their their position as playoff contenders and they got to win 88-83. I guess we, we can't discount Virtus from the, the playoff mat just yet. With this important win, they are in 12th place, only one win below the, the 8th place. They are building a very good momentum with three wins on their last four games. In this game, Milos Teodosic was the MVP with 17 points, two rebounds, seven assists and one steal. Cingalia with 12 points, four rebounds and three assists was very important for Virtus. While Giedraitis with 25.7 rebounds, one assist and two steals was the best player for the visitors. It was impressive to see Virtus' ability to take advantage of Basconi defensive issues and being able to, to outscore them. One of the, the stories of the night was Habas returning to the EuroLeague five years after his last game on the competition and being able to perform at a great level, bringing energy and athleticism that Virtus really needs and can use. We saw him at moments defending Marcus Howard face to face and trying to take him away from the game and he was able to do so at spaces. This was a, a great win for Virtus and Basconia is now in 7th place with a record of 13 and 12. Tiago, what impact do you see the, this uh, this Virtus win having for, for both of these teams? In my opinion, I, 
Virtus uh, won't be in the playoff hunt. And for Basconia side, uh, I see things getting hard for them, but I can I can see them making the playoffs or being on, on the ninth spot because I think Maccabi is going is going up and Valencia will will be on the the same level that they are right now. So Basconia might fight for the eighth spot, in my opinion. With Hefes. If you if you had a Virtus fan in front of you right now, he will be pointing out that they just beated the team that you said that will end up in eighth place and they are just one win below them. Why are they not able to, to get there? Because uh, we got Maccabi and F is in the in the hunt too with Valencia and th- these three teams are better than Virtus, in my opinion. Okay, very well. Uh, Diogo, what are your takes on this game? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but on the preview, when we were discussing our matchups, uh, I said that I wouldn't go with the guards because I can never go against Milos Teodosic. And I think I guessed it right because he ended up being the MVP of the game with 17. Yeah, that, that was a good call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think this is a very important win for them. Obviously, like we've been talking, uh, their ability to stay alive in the in the playoff hunt. So, and against a direct opponent. So this was very good for them. It was a very close game. It was very well played. Uh, I just want to give a, a shout out to Shangelia for being able to to play for the for Virtus and then going to play for his national team. I think that's big time. Uh, but yeah, this was a very good game. Like you said on the preview, Andre, I think if Virtus was able to keep the game close, that they would win it at the end. And they led for most of the game. It was always close, but they were they were always on top. And they were able to control it in the fourth quarter and, and get the win. Yeah, it was certainly a, a great win for, for Virtus. Let's move on to Valencia, where we had an insane game of basketball. Valencia received Olympiacos and lost 85-92. There were constant crazy scoring runs for both sides. In the end, Olympiacos got the win and secured their position on top of the standings with an 18-7 record. Valencia is part of that five-team tie for sixth place. And is now in in ninth in the in the standings. The MVP of the game was the team captain Costas Papanikolaou with 22 points, four rebounds, three assists, and one block. Sashev Zankov had 20 points, seven rebounds, one assist, and one steal. And uh, Prepelic was the best for the home team with 21 points, one rebound, and four assists. Valencia came into this game with a high level of intensity and physicality. They forced nine first-half turnovers for Olympiacos, clearly taking them out of their rhythm. Valencia also came into this game on fire and they scored nine three-pointers on the first half. But Olympiacos answered by dominating the, the third quarter, scoring 30 points and allowing only 13. Olympiacos kept their perfect record in Valencia, winning all the seven times that they played there. Olympiacos had, as expected, a hard test in Valencia, as we had predicted here on our last podcast, but they got back into, into the game, led by their team captain, Pap Paniclao. Walcop, on his post-game interview, shared a story from uh, from halftime where, where Cannon was telling his teammates that uh, there is nothing wrong with being down. Now we show our true face and uh, what we are made of. And that's what they did. The Olympiacos was able to come back into the game and to, to dominate it. Bart Tolkens in the end of the game said that this was one of the most important wins of the season. For Valencia, the collapse in the third quarter was too big. This was amazing basketball. What caught your eye uh, on this one, Tiago? About this game, the first half was uh, such a masterpiece of the art of sharing the ball in the off-ball movement. And the... Both teams were always to always searching for the best situation to score. It was a really good game to watch. 
Um, it's really nice to see Dubravic uh, back in the game. His three-point shooting was elite. It's nice to see the, him back. And even uh, Costas Lucas, it's really nice to see him too, to to improve their offense. So yeah, but in, in the third quarter, Valencia stopped playing D and allow Olympiacos to play their game and to to build their momentum off transitions and off fast-break situations. So yeah, I, I wanted to mention too, uh, Prepelich game. He had a plus-minus of uh, plus-22. It's really, it's really tough because they, they, they lost, but Prepelich had a really good game. Yeah, he was really impactful, and we even saw him at the moment, Mombru, putting him at defending Zankov for, for, for some plays in the game. And he was really impressive, and he was all over the, the court. He really was the best player for Valencia, and he was uh, he was embodying the energy and the physicality that uh, Valencia came to this game and was playing with. Diogo, what, what did you did you saw on this game? For me, on this game, uh, I think Valencia started on a very high level, uh, sharing the ball, and they got eight assists on the first quarter. And that gave them immediately a double-digit lead. And they were also playing very good defense because they forced a lot of turnovers for Olympiacos in the first half. And that allowed them to keep that double-digit lead. Uh, on the third quarter, though, uh, Olympiacos came out, out of the outhand with a, with a chip on their shoulder, shoulder. And they showed that they are the best team in EuroLeague. They outscored Valencia 30-13. to And Vezenkov and Papa Nicolau took over the game uh, scoring the ball. And Walkup and Slukas uh, were distributing, and everything got easier for them. So this is a very good win for Olympiacos. Uh, they keep their seven-game win streak alive. And for Valencia, uh, it could be dangerous, but uh, it's not a bad loss because it is against Olympiacos, and they are the best team in the league. But it could hurt them because, like we said before, that playoff race is super close. But yeah, this was a very high-level game, and I enjoyed it a lot. And another game that we expected to be high-level and it was to a point it was Barcelona Monaco with Barcelona winning 80-70 Barcelona continues to dominate their matchups against Monaco since the this team joined the the EuroLeague the MVP of the game on his 300th game in the EuroLeague was Jan Vasely with 12-7 and 3 Thomas Satoransky, the other Czech player of uh, Barcelona, had 15 points, one rebound and two assists, while Mike James was the best one for the visitors with 14 points, three rebounds and three assists. Barcelona came into the game focused and very dis- disciplined on uh, defense, as they usually do. They slowly built their lead and ended the first quarter ahead 24-18. On the second quarter, we had more of the same with Barcelona operating very smoothly and went into the halftime scoring 50 points and, and allowing a 39. We saw Barcelona's size giving issues to Monaco and at some point of the game, Barcelona went extra big with lineups with Vesely, Toby, Kalinic, Satoransky and Vildoza. Monaco was able to reduce the disadvantage on the third quarter to 8 points and they kept Barcelona scoreless for the first four and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. But Barcelona was able to take over the game in the last five, min- five minutes of the game and uh, get this win. This was a hard loss for Monaco that uh, they are now in fifth place with a 15-10 and 10 record. And we saw some uh, attrition in the in the team with Mike James and the coach arguing in the last timeout of the team in the bench. 
Barcelona continues their good season in the EuroLeague. We saw them being very aggressive, driving a lot to the basket, and uh, that really gave some some troubles to Monaco. Barcelona has been struggling to be able to be consistent for the, the whole 40 minutes of the game. Satoransky was pointing that out in his post-game interview. He said after the, the loss in the Cup and uh, some struggles in some games of the EuroLeague, they being able to bounce back and uh, the way that they responded to a better momentum of the Monaco in the second half and they dominated the last five minutes of the game was very important for the team, not only because of getting this win, but also psychologically. These are two of the top teams in the EuroLeague, but uh, this matchup highlighted some of the Monaco's fragilities. Are they really at the level of the other top five teams of the this competition, Tiago? Uh, the problem is defense and size, in my opinion. And Barcelona uh, exploit that uh, as much as they can. So I see Monaco being on the on the first tier, as we mentioned, on their power rankings, but kind of like the lowest team on that tier. Because they're a, they have a, a really good offense with uh, an offense firepower with guys like uh, Lloyd or Kobo, but um, I see the them problem is just defense and size. Because the other teams, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, has that. About this game, what what are your takes about the, this match between these two teams? It's really nice to see Sadoransky playing, uh, and with him out, Yoko Bates was doing a really good job. And it's, if you see the box score, you see guys uh, contributing so well. Uh, Shanley, all guys, uh, all nine guys uh, had a really good game. Abrini's nine points, so. It's a uh, it's a really good team to watch, and I think they they are playing their b- best basketball uh, of the season because they were they were winning, but they were struggling to win, and now they're having a good momentum. On Monaco's side, uh, I'm looking forward to see if uh, Moneke could contribute more because uh, he had zero points, and even on the boards he only had two. So, in my opinion, the key for for Monaco it's uh, to Monaco to step up might be getting to a point where maybe our expectations on Monaco were a bit too high yeah true because it's um, he he's an energy player and he he can contribute a lot but uh, I don't know if he gives them more than um, Alpha Diallo is giving them for example I don't know if he's an upgrade on him he's a good player and for sure he's a good uh, depth piece for them to have but uh, I think that's it. It's a it's a good player. It's not a, a star. It's not a, an additional star for that Monaco. It's a good role player, but, yeah. Yeah, a, a very good role player, and I think that Monaco might be building a poor house for the next years in the Euroleague and the team that will be able to be constantly on the playoff contention and even fighting for for championships. There are reports of them uh, adding like new players, and we will report on that as soon as those are confirmed the for now they are just rumors but um, i agree with you i agree a lot that uh, they are lacking some size and some uh, ability to fight against the, those top teams what do you think yo yeah i agree with you guys i think monaco is a, a very good team but the, they do lack some size and i mean they, they have bigs but i don't know Mont- uh, monte is, is not mobile enough uh Dante hall is very athletic but it's not a guy that you give him the ball on the post and let him handle it. So, they, in terms of their threes, uh, their forwards, I, I don't think they have enough good ones, at least, for, for this level. And their bigs, they have some limitations as well. 
and I think that's a big problem for them. But with with those type of guards, uh, I think they have a chance against anybody. But I, I wouldn't consider them favorites, though. But but they are uh, an elite team, a very good playoff team, and I think they can give trouble to any of the other four that are above them right now. But yeah, yeah for, in regards to sure. the game, um, Barcelona did a, a great job trying to bother Mike James with size, having Satoransky and Corey Higgins on him and forcing him to get rid of the ball. Or every screen that he asked for, they were hard showing or doubling. They, they just didn't allow them to get the switch that he wanted. And then Barca had uh, much better ball movement. They were finding the mismatches and they were punishing Monaco. They were also finding their shooters and Alex Abrines especially. Uh, Barca tried to get into their offense quick, which allowed them to have a lot of time to run their half-court offense and just play good half-court basketball. And I think Sadoransky or Vesely, they both played great games. Uh, Sato, more on the, on the perspective of controlling the game and the pace of the game. And Vesely came off the bench and it was immediate impact. Uh, put back dunks, uh, offensive rebounds. He, he, was just, he played a very good game, so... I think Barcelona right now has an argument to be the, the top team in EuroLeague, but they are playing very good basketball, and I, I think they're on the right way. We'll see. Is there a best starting five, or it's not really a starting five, but a best five in the EuroLeague than Sato, Higgins, Kalinic, Mirotic, and Vesely? Or the, the center spot could kind of change, but is there a best five in the EuroLeague than these five guys? In my opinion, there is. Whom? I think uh, FS at full strength with Shane Larkin, Misic, uh, Elijah Bryant, Will Clyburn, and to me, uh, Tibor Pleiss, but it could be Zizic. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a better starting five. But uh, Barcelona does play a, a better uh, style uh, offensively, at least. Yeah, but do you... I understand, and especially offensively, it will be very hard for me to have any arguments. But the ability that Barcelona has to play on both sides of the court, can Ifas really match that? I understand. I mean, like we, we've talked about before, uh, FH obviously is struggling this season. Uh, I'm just going by what I think they can do. But, but yeah, I agree with you. Barcelona probably has the, the best starting five. Maybe Real Madrid maybe has an argument, but, but yeah... I, I can understand your point. What do you think, Tiago? With Fenerbahce at full strength, I think that Fenerbahce might have a way to enter on this discussion because with um, Nick Caleres, Wilbukin, uh, with uh, Nigel Lays or uh, with Nemeo Bialica too, and with Mosley, I think they're one of the, the best teams too. So Barcelona is up, but I think uh, Fenerbahce is on the second position. I just think that... Um probably Sato's size and his ability to play both sides of the court I think that's kind of the what gives them an advantage here because in terms of talent of course any of those those fives that we just discussed of Barcelona of Real Madrid of Fenerbahce Efes they are all up there but I think that uh, that gives some edge to Barcelona and I think that's why for me they are the favorites to, to win this edition of the EuroLeague of course the we will see who signs whom and uh, who wins it all in the end yeah for Sarah 
he's a difference maker. I agree with you, Andre. He might be one of the most influential players of the EuroLeague, even if uh, numbers-wise he's not, not up there. Very well, guys. This was another European Hoops episode. Make sure to tune in next Wednesday when we will preview all the action of Round 26. Subscribe to the podcast and also follow us on Twitter at Ethos EuroLeague, where we bring you any news that break about the competition, our daily picks, must-watch games, injury reports, and our threads in the end of each day of the competition, bringing you all the highlights of the action. My name is Andre, and I will be seeing you guys soon. Thank you guys. Thank you for having us. I hope you guys enjoyed the same as we did, and stay tuned for more. Bye, guys. Stay tuned for more. See you on the next episode.